Thanks, everybody, for coming, and in Victoria and uh, on the phone. Uh, my name is Bill Thielman. Last name is spelled T-I-E-L-E-M-A-N. I'm the president of the No PC Proportional Representation Society. Joining me is Suzanne Anton, A-N-T-O-N, who is the vice president. And, of course, uh, many of you know I'm a former, long time, I should say, NDP supporter, and Suzanne's a former BC Liberal Attorney General. But because of the proportional representation system being proposed, We've joined forces along with many other people from both sides of the political fence or all sides of political fences. And um, uh, so let me just start by saying this. Number one, we shouldn't even be having a referendum. The proportional representation electoral system question was decisively decided in 2009 when 61% of British Columbians in a referendum voted in favor of keeping our first past the post system. Secondly, what the government has proposed today, what Attorney General David Eby has outlined, is no way to run a public process on our most important asset in our democracy, how we elect our official representatives. This will create all sorts of problems. It's complicated. It is extremely divisive. We will see a situation where, uh, if successful on the first part of the ballot, if first past the post is rejected, we'll have three different systems, none of which will have official riding boundaries explained which we won't know how it will work. And uh, one half of one of these, the urban-rural model, is half single transferable vote, or STV, which was rejected decisively in 2009. What we have now with what the Attorney General has proposed is not even a choice between apples and apples. It's a choice between apples, bananas, cherries, and oranges. It will be no way for people to figure this out. They won't even know what riding they would be in. We don't know how these systems would operate, and we have less than a few months to talk about this. So we, our concern on proportional representation is that we have currently a system that's simple, it's successful, and it's stable. Under proportional representation, as we see in Europe repeatedly, there are perpetual minorities, there's instability, which causes problems both politically and economically. We see situations like Italy, where we have no government again, Germany, which took six months to find a government, New Zealand, which took a long time, and then the tail wagged the dog. A very small party decides who's in power, under what circumstances, who the prime minister is, the entire thing reverses the actual democratic process. Those are initial remarks. I'll turn it over to Suzanne to say a few more things. Thank you very much, everybody, for coming. So citizens everywhere, anywhere, in any jurisdiction, whether it's in British Columbia or any other jurisdiction in the world, citizens should be extremely dubious when a sitting government proposes to change the electoral system and not just proposes to change it, but, but has skin in the game. They're advocating for the change. If they say, perhaps we should have a change and then stand back, that's one thing. But to say, we want a change and we want one of these three flavors of change, citizens should be very, very suspicious and dubious of that proposition. The problem with proportional representation is that citizens turn their authority, their authority to choose members of the legislature their authority to form government, citizens turn that authority away from themselves and onto political parties. They say to political parties, we're not going to choose the MLAs, you choose them. And to me, that is just fundamentally a flawed system to say that political parties should choose MLAs. And then secondly, the second piece of authority that citizens turn over in proportional representation is that they turn over the authority to form government. So instead of the government being chosen on election day by citizens, 
it's chosen after the election, it's chosen in the back rooms, and it's chosen by the political parties. I've been around a lot of political parties in my life. Bill's been around a lot of political parties in his life. I can say I have way more faith in citizens than I do in political parties. So the, um, those are really the main points we can elaborate, but um, it, this is a, we have a system right now in British Columbia that's simple, it's stable, it's successful. British Columbia is one of the best jurisdictions in the world. There is no reason to make a change. There is no reason to turn citizens' authority over to political parties. We should stick with the system we have. Bill and I and um, our, our colleague Bob Plekis in Victoria are leading the uh, No to BC Proportional Representation campaign. And uh, we will uh, uh, expect, uh, hope that citizens will be hearing from us and, and, of course, from others during this debate over the next few months. I just wanted to add one more thing. This will, any of these systems proposed will result in a loss of regional representation, of rural representation. Attorney General Eby has pointed out that there'll be either little or no, preferably no increase in the number of MLAs in the legislature. That means much larger ridings in order to create the proportional representation lists which MMP and other systems use. So you're going to have larger ridings still, uh, harder for those MLAs to represent them. And at the same time, you're going to have proportional representation list MLAs who have no accountability to any constituents anywhere. Their only accountability is to the political party that put them forward. And so that is a fundamental flaw in our view. We have local, accountable, responsible MLAs in each and every riding across British Columbia now to remove many of those MLAs and replace them with people nominated by a party who can't be removed by the electoral process and couldn't be recalled because they have no riding uh, is fundamentally wrong. Uh, I, I think with that, we go to questions. I, I will add one more thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I think if, if, when people who are interested in this, um, have a look around the world. There are many PR, proportional representation jurisdictions around the world. There are very few, very, very small handful of examples where it seems to be working. In the vast majority of cases, it does not work. It does not serve its country well. Okay, questions uh, in the room first. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, I would venture to guess that 90% of the traditional, I mean, that's a lot of people don't even know what, you know, uh, representation is. So can you use simplest terms, explain the difference? Um, proportional representation is an attempt to have province-wide results interpreted into seats in the legislature. So if you get 30% of the seats, you should get roughly 30%. Uh, 30% of votes, you should get 30% of the seats. The system we have now, first past the post, is a series of 87 separate elections. In each riding, communities decide who would best represent them in the legislature, and then when we see all of the results of election night, we then see which party or parties can form a majority and they form the government. And so that means that each community has a representative. We don't have an election for Premier. John Horgan or Andrew Wilkinson or Andrew Weaver aren't on our ballots unless that's the riding that they represent. So it's a fundamental change to a province-wide system, uh, and we think that's fundamentally the wrong way to proceed. It, it means that citizens vote not just for a representative, but they also vote for a political party. And when you vote for a political party, you are turning your authority over to that political party and say, you, political party, make my decision for me. You appoint people to the legislature, 
and you go away after the election and you sit in the back room with the other political parties and you decide who will be government. I think that's the fundamental flaw in proportional representation. Citizens should be making that choice, not political parties. As I said a moment ago, I've been around a lot of political parties. I have more faith in citizens than I do in political parties. Just further to your question, Ted, um, if we had a proportional representation, a mixed member proportional, usually it's around 40% or, or so of the uh, total seats in the legislature would be under a PR list form. So we could have 50 or 45 ridings and uh, 37 to 40 proportional list members. And those members, as I said, have, have, no ri have no riding to report to. They don't have constituents to report to. They just report to the party. And finally, another question. So you're opposed to any form of PR. Uh, so uh, there's three options, four options. That's well, all they're asking today is to. Well, this, sorry, we'll just close the door there. Thank you. Sorry. All, all they're asking today is whether or not, you know, for a referendum. Yeah. And shouldn't keep the status quo as the town happens to have the town. Or one of the other ones, you know, the rural urban. So you're opposed to either the referendum? We're, we're opposed to all of the proportional representation models. The, and for example, the rural urban, which is a mixture of STV, which was rejected in 2009, and MMP, which Ontario, for example, uh, a strange hybrid that who knows how it will work out. I mean, we believe the first past the post system has created a very strong and, and prosperous British Columbia and Canada, and it's a good system and it's, it should be retained. But the worry that I think anybody who even does support a proportional representation model, one of those three, should have is it's kind of like ordering a pizza with a group of people. You might want Hawaiian and somebody else wants uh, a pepperoni, somebody wants uh, an all-Canadian, and the second choice is vegetarian. And all of a sudden you end up with vegetarian, which nobody wanted. We, don't, we can't know going into a ranked ballot situation what will come out. It could be any one of those three as a second or third or fourth choice uh, of a number of voters. And then all of a sudden you've got a system. Like, nobody knows what will come out of this blunder. Uh, we do know what we have now. We don't know under the three choices that the government's put forward. We don't know how they'll operate. We don't know what the writings are. We don't know uh, how many MLAs there'll be or how they'll be distributed. We do know with our current system exactly what we have. Let me talk a bit about accountability, too. If you're elected as an MLA, you are accountable to the citizens in your neighborhood. You look after those citizens. You don't care what their political party is. You look after their individual issues. They need more care for their mom. They want their school to do something or other. You are their MLA. You are accountable to them. If they like what you do, you can stick around in the next election. If they're dissatisfied, they can get rid of you. When you are put into the legislature by your political party under PR, who are you accountable to? You're accountable to your political party. You're accountable to the political bosses in the back room. You are not accountable to citizens anymore. And so it's that fundamental level of accountability, which is what we have right now, which is why MLAs work hard. Every one of the 87 MLAs we have right now works hard in his or her writing because it's important to do that. You lose that. But what about the figure of writing is very close. Uh, somebody wins by a very, very slim majority. Uh, you know, quite a few of those in the last election where you might have 100 votes spread. So basically the third class of gate system, the one candidate is all those 49.99% of votes voted for somebody else count for nothing. But, but it's kind of like a Stanley Cup game. I mean, one team gets four goals, one team gets three in the final, in the seventh and deciding game. Somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. That's the nature of, of our democracy, whether it's by one vote or 100 votes or uh, 5,000 votes. 
ultimately we have to make decisions. And so this idea that we can do a kumbaya group hug and everyone gets along and everybody goes to the legislature and they, they all get along is not a reflection of the reality of politics in proportional representation countries around the world. They have as many fights and as much politics, if not more, than anybody else in the world. So I don't think that that, that works for me. And there's always, a, there, even under PR, there's always a government and an opposition. So some people are always in government and some are, it's just chosen differently. I'm just going to, um, uh, Victoria Press Gallery, uh, if you'd like to ask any questions. Oops. Victoria Press Gallery, if you'd like to ask any questions. It's Les here. Can you hear me? Hi, Les. Yep, yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you think the details that we got today, did, do you perceive any slant in this process or the question that um, that would drive people? drive the result towards what they want a yes vote? Well, absolutely. I mean, if you if you say, uh, I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to bring some people together and ask them what color I should paint my living room, and you give them uh, one choice of blue and three choice of green, I think the odds are uh, higher that a green would get chosen. But ultimately, you know, in, in this situation, I think the, the flaw in this question is we do not know really exactly how any of these systems would work where the government can't tell one person, one voter in BC, exactly which riding they'll be in or how many members there will be in that riding or how many citizens will be in that riding. It's completely a blank slate and you have to vote yes to find out and you have to vote yes to find out what system it's going to be. It's a ludicrous and bizarre way of doing things. Any questions? We've got the Globe and also NL News. Uh, I, yeah, I've got a question, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, can you just briefly explain the uh, process now to uh, for your group to uh, become the mini group to uh, advocate on behalf of retaining first past the post and you know what that process is like and how quickly you're going to get uh, off the ground here? Sure. Um, the No BC Proportional Representation Society is formed society. We have uh, a website, nobcprorep.ca. Uh, we have, uh, you can make your donations by PayPal already, and uh, we will be applying to be the proponent group. As some of you know, I led the proponent groups both in 2005 and 2009. Uh, so we hope, uh, the one thing we do uh, appreciate of the government decisions day is that they are, there is public funding and it's substantial as it was in 2009. Uh, so we intend to apply to be that proponent group and work with everybody who is opposed to proportional representation. Uh, we need to find out more about the rules and regulations. The Attorney General uh, gave some details, but we'll need to find out more about that. And, uh, of course, the campaign period, as he said, is likely to. This is still all subject to a cabinet decision, as he said, So, but it's likely to start the campaign period on, on July 1st. Uh, we're not sure exactly yet what the donation status is and perhaps... Uh, the press gallery is aware of that, but uh, we have heard, uh, I think that the Attorney General said that elections would, or that the referendum would be run somewhat like elections in terms of union and business donations, and uh, we need to seek clarity on that. We don't think that unions or businesses should be prohibited from participating in uh, a decision on how we are governed. Right, and, and just so one more question, just uh, wanted to get any thoughts you had on the, um, the 5% threshold uh, that Mr. Eby announced this morning. Well, one of our, sorry, Susan, so, go ahead. So I, I can speak to that. One of the things that happens under proportional representation 
is you get a lot of fragmentation of political parties. So instead of having what we have now, we have two larger parties, one smaller party, and then there's a whole slack of little parties out there who don't really matter because they don't make an impact. What happens is you get a lot of small parties building their authority, uh, and the bigger parties tend to break up. So you end up with a, a lot of different political parties and, and coalitions, um, the reason for the 5% is that if you cannot, I think the theory of this is that if you can't get even 5% of the citizens in British Columbia to vote for you, you don't deserve to have any seats in the legislature. And of course, my argument, Sonny, is that uh, my argument is that if you can't get citizens in even one riding to vote for you, you also do not, you do not deserve a seat in the legislature. In other words, you only deserve a seat in the legislature if you can persuade the citizens in one of the ridings of British Columbia to elect you. I just to add to that, uh, the 5% threshold will not keep out extremist parties, fringe parties, uh, religious fundamental parties. 5% is a very low threshold. We've seen in Europe time after time, we've seen the Austrian Freedom Party, the Dutch Freedom Party, the Alternative for Deutschland uh, Party in Germany, where, we, where they have extreme far-right views. They get a foothold through proportional representation, uh, have a platform and legitimacy in their legislatures, to build upon, and that kind of party can't get a foothold in a first-past-the-post system. They can't convince enough people in even one or two ridings to send them to the legislature, and that's one of the great strengths of first-past-the-post. We saw that with the UKIP party in England, where uh, they got 12.5% of the vote in the 2015 election, and they only won one seat out of 650, and then the next election they were gone. Uh, that was Nigel Farage and, and the uh, UK Independence Party. So we remain extremely concerned about what we've seen in Europe and elsewhere. In New Zealand, we saw uh, the Winston Peters New Zealand First Party, which uh, is also a very far-right party. Uh, he's been described as a Donald Trump of New Zealand. He's now the acting prime minister. Uh, he was made the deputy prime minister with his nine seats and seven, seven seats to 9% of the vote. Uh, he doesn't have any geographic seats. He's not accountable, and his MLAs or uh, members are not accountable to anyone, and yet they decided who was the government. They got the deputy minister position and an enormous amount of power. So under proportional representation, uh, we see it over and over. The, the tail wags the dog, and that's not the way it should be in a democratic system. Thank you. All right, go ahead. So do you agree on how to well, this is the third referendum since 2005, and the previous two failed, and in 2009 it was a decisive failure. So I, I don't believe, and Suzanne doesn't believe, and our group doesn't believe there should be a referendum at all. We think the question was answered very clearly. However, the, the NDP and the Greens, it's party policy. They have the right to, to decide to have a referendum. I would hope that people will say enough is enough. We've already decided this once before and firmly reject proportional representation rather than taking a chance on a, what's behind door number three. We won't even, voters wouldn't even know what would come out of this kind of a proportional representation vote. And I think it's extremely dangerous to um, a system we already have, which is simple, successful, and stable. So, 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 can I just ask you that question? Um, so, your question was: things may have changed in the last ten years, so we should be prepared to revisit it. The fundamentals of democracy have not changed. The fundamentals of our system have not changed. We have a very good system in British Columbia. It's easy to understand. Everybody knows. Anybody who's paying any attention will know who their MLA is. They know that that person is accountable to them. Any of these systems 
uh, you're you're in the media. When you explain them to your listeners, to your readers, will they understand these systems? They're very complicated. Um, I, I certainly can't explain them to you myself at the moment because they're complicated. What people appreciate is uh, uh, stability. They appreciate a system that they understand, and they appreciate a system that they can rely upon. That's what we have now. That's what we had 10 years ago. So there is no reason to revisit it. Uh, having said that, I mean, the government is obviously determined to go down this road, so we are obliged to um, mount uh, this campaign against them because we so fundamentally disagree with what they are proposing. right now is if you don't like what a government does, you can get rid of them at the next election. That is really the answer to that, uh, number one. Number two, most of what governments do actually goes through by agreement of all the political parties. There are only some contentious issues. Most of the things in the legislature are actually passed by everybody. And number three, you, when you change, if, if you really don't like what the legislature does, you can change governments. In proportional representation, the way it works out is that people, you can't actually get rid of people very easily. And, and the decisions, uh, people say they're um, a legislature after legislature because they are appointed by their political parties. They're not placed there by, they're not voted there by citizens. So we have those checks and balances, which, which I think is the, is the better answer. I know, I understand what you're saying, but I think the better answer is wait till the next election because citizens can then make a change. Just to, to add to that too, if we had a party with 46% and a party with 46% and then another part, a third party with 5%, should the 5% get to decide for everybody else? Because uh, with 51% under proportional representation, you have 100% of the power. Some of these problems around the legislature could be solved with legislative changes, not with election system changes. For example, the budget could require 60% approval or 66% approval. I'm a strata council president for my condominium. We have rules that if I want to replace our boiler, we need 75% in favor. So there's things that could be done to encourage and, and facilitate uh, cooperation within the legislature. There's no rule against cooperating in the legislature. Um, but to have a, a small party decide uh, for the entire, 5% deciding for the entire province who's going to form the government, uh, I think is fundamentally wrong. And the 100% versus 39%, it's really whoever can get across the 50% mark gets 100% of the power. So I think proportional representation is not a solution to the problem many people see. Uh, Shane Woodford, do you have any questions? Yeah, just uh, can you hear me, Bill? Shane Woodford, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me, Bill? Yeah, do you have any questions? Yeah, just a quick, I've asked you this before, but uh, now that we have some details on the table, I want to ask it again. You, you now know the campaign process and timeline, and uh, although there are some details, as you say, that still need clarification, uh, are you in favor of a five-month process, and are you calling for, if not, are you calling for a delay in the vote? Well, I think we know enough now to know that the government has taken the wrong approach, but that said, uh, we feel very confident that in this campaign we can win it. Uh, we intend to be the proponent group. Uh, we intend to fight 
very hard in favor of first past the post and against proportional representation. We think it would be have been a much better process if the government had done the right thing, had asked the Electoral Boundaries Commission, the Independent Commission, to draw a boundary so that every voter would know where they live, uh, would be represented by what kind of system, what riding they'd be in, all of those details which are missing. And in the previous referendum, we had four years between them, and the one before that, we had a year and a half, two years to figure out STV. In this process, we've got five months, and we don't have any of the details, and it appears we're not going to get many of them. And I, I don't think that's a great exercise in democracy, but if people have doubts about the three strange systems that are proposed, uh, even if they think they might like proportional, I would strongly encourage them to vote no and vote for first-past-the-post, because at least the, the devil you know versus the devil you know don't know is better than uh, the great unknown that could possibly result uh, from a lot of second and third choices in a PR vote. Okay. Any other questions from the gallery? I think we're good. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Annie.